When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Basically Famous. Thanks for joining us. We're your hosts, Shelby and Tyler. Welcome to this week's episode. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to Basically Famous. I'm super excited for this week's episode. We are joined by friend and former coworker of mine, Colby Clapper from New York City, um, to talk about her family's dairy operation in New York State. Um, as we continue our segment of ag in other states and learning more about the industry that's so important and vital to all of us and understanding what it means and how it looks in places outside of Texas. So welcome Colby. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, howdy everyone. Um, so my name is Colby Clapper. Um, I come from a dairy farm in Western New York. It's nestled out on the Finger Lakes. Um, between Buffalo and Rochester, just to give you kind of a perspective. Um, I come from a county that's full of agriculture. Most of our neighbors, towns, all of that, there's more cows than people, as we like to say. Um, with that, it's located in Pavilion. Um, we raise dairy cows. We have a cross between um, Jersey and Holstein. With that, we find that it gives us a higher count in butter fat. So the Jersey being higher in butter fat. And so that's our that's our cross there. Um, we have about 1800 cows that we milk twice a day. We're growing every single day, um, adding to our herd, continuing to expand out as fast as we can. Um, but also, you know, with our labor, we have constraints, all of those things. So doing it as we can. Um, with that, we're working about 2,500 acres, um, and that's pretty much all forage crops, um, hay, milum, corn, alfalfa, um, all the things that a dairy cow would eat, everything we grow, we grow to eat um, for our cows. With that, um, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So how long has your family been in the dairy cattle business? So we are seven generations. That's um, awesome. We've been going for many years. Um, my brother, Jack, um, so my name's Colby, his name's Jack, Colby <laughs> um, he is currently um, running all of our, he's our dairy herdsman. So he's running, you know, all of our breeding programs and trying to grow everything internally, I guess, so to speak in the barn um, that way. And then my dad still runs all of the crop side of things, the forage, the hay, um, making sure that everyone is fed and that they're and we're warm for the winter. That's a big constraint we have is it gets so cold with snow, rain, all of it. And being dairy farmers, it is a 24 seven operation. It mm -hmm. is not just a nine to five. <laughs> right, definitely. And so is it just your immediate family? Is there any extended family or additional business partners? What does that look like? Yes. So um, there is a, another family that runs the operation with us. Um, and we've kind of pulled together, um, our families have grown alongside each other um, for these generations. With that, um, 
you know, everyone had kids like for myself, um, I, I live and work in New York City um, in real estate. So I'm not a part of the family business. Um, same with the other family. Um, there is some people that stayed back to run it. I have cousins that are also um, a part of the family business. I would say overall, there's probably eight to 12 family members um, daily in, in the action and are, are there hands on. And then there's, I call myself seasonal. Um, <laughs> we come in seasonally um, as I've gotten older and kind of, you know, been out in Texas and that I haven't been able to help as much as wanted, but um, definitely try to pitch in when I can. Yeah, your family's probably glad that you're closer. I, I don't know how far it is to get to your family's place from New York City, but it's definitely closer than Florida and Texas. For where sure. You used to live. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a six hour drive from New York City. So um, that's kind of one of the things that um, our product is designed for. So we have a milk plant, a cheese factory, a, and a digester. Um, I guess kind of run it back. Um, one of our evolutions um, that I've seen in my time um, and one of the big things that my dad's generation has brought onto the farm was getting um, a milking uh, milk plant. Um, so we have a, um, a rotary um, milk plant itself. Um, and so that's where the cows like walk in, they ride on a merry-go-round is the best way to describe it. And then um, we ship the milk directly over next door. Um, we built an entire milk plant. With that, we are able to cut out the middleman. And we found that, you know, taking our milk to like an, um, I don't want to like name drop them, but I guess like upstate milk um, is, is backed by, um, DFA, which is Dairy Farmers of America, mm -hmm. we would send our milk to them. They were the middleman between us and the supply chain. We realized that that was a really tough constraint because they could label what they're going to buy milk for. And if we showed up um, back in the day, we would show up with a ton of milk and they could be like, we're at capacity today and, and dump um, it down the drain. Yeah. Um, so that's a huge frustrating factor. Also figuring out where you're going to take your milk and how that goes. My dad um, actually used to drive four hours to Pennsylvania just to take milk because we were getting, you know, more money taking it to like Gerber mm -hmm. versus um, upstate, which was a 45 minute haul away. So with fuel prices and everything kind of being crazy, um, a couple years back, um, I think it was in 2013, we opened our uh, milk facility, which has evolved into the cheese factory and the digester aspect of it all. But um, the milk plant, we do um, pretty much anything from cottage cheese, yogurt, all of that, um, wide variety, chocolate milk, you name it. Um, and then we have our cheese plant, which we are focusing in on cheddars, um, pretty much your niche market cheese um you get a little higher dollar for those we also mm -hmm. have a really high butter fat count in our milk so that's been really beneficial for us um to have that on site so we started with the milk plant and then we a few years later got things spinning and have turned into a cheese factory and i guess to give you a whole spectrum of the way it works is we're one of seven farms that own this cooperative together. So uh -huh. we came together with um, a few our neighbors and a few our other upstate New York dairy farmers a little farther away from us. Um, the facility is on our property and, you know, we do take, you know, great pride 
in the product and all of that, but we are taking milk from several, several other farms to be able to have this supply chain. Mm -hmm. um, specifically with our milk too, um, another part, you know, of the diversification, which is, I think, really important of this business um, is kosher milk. And being so close to New York City, a lot yeah. of people don't think of it, but there is a ton of Jewish people, like the need for kosher. And um, we have a rabbi that lives on our farm and he oh. prays to the cows every single day. Um, he goes up and down, he prays on the equipment, he just, you know, blesses the food, blesses everything. And so with that, we've been um, able to be kosher certified. Yeah, that's so interesting. It never occurred to me that milk in its like original by whatever, like bored in from the grocery store and it's like natural state wouldn't be kosher. Yes. Yep. So it, that's so interesting. And especially, I mean, the East Coast, right, obviously has a little more like Jewish population than you might find in Texas. And so that is my, I'm just like very impressed. <laughs> it's, it's still kind of a culture shock for me too, being in Western New York, now living in New York City, like tomorrow's Yom Kippur. Um, and half my office is out and I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know at one point, a couple different times when you lived in Texas, like you had your family ship chocolate milk. Cause that was your favorite thing. Right. I remember hearing about that. Um, so how are the products marketed? Where are they sold? Like, could uh, those of us in Texas that don't live there, get them, or it's, we have to come visit Western New York to find them. Yes. Um, so we're working on getting into the South. Um, that was one of my like biggest things was I, I would love to go and pick it up in a grocery store. Um, unfortunately we a, aren't large enough to have that many contracts to ship that much milk. Um, like I said, it's still seven farms. It's a ton of milk. If you think of it on the large scale, but going from one end of the country to the other, you've got across other states and it's right. a whole supply chain thing. Um, as far as like where you would find it, you can find it in Wegmans in upstate New York. Um, a lot of it is distributed on the East Coast. Um, our products we bring to a lot of like niche deli markets um, and like butcher shops, which are a very popular thing on the East Coast instead mm -hmm. of just your traditional HEB grocery store. Um, with that, we found um, a better influx of case, like for someone to walk over to the case and want to pick up our cheese or pick up our um, milk, any of those types of things, because it's more of a higher end product. Like that's where we have found our entry in the market is labeling it kosher, having um, different varieties, aging, mm -hmm. like all of that kind of adds to um, our right. marketing point. And a lot of it, um, like we actually have a little um, food truck type window operation and we've taken it to some county fairs and stuff and have served chocolate milk from it along with cheese. And that's just kind of a little bit of a marketing that we're trying to launch here in the East Coast and the New England part of the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's just getting our product out there. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what would you say have been the biggest um, lessons that you've learned from your time being full-time help growing up and then seasonal as you've gotten older and your biggest takeaways that have helped you become who you are? Yeah, um, ooh, that's a tough one. Um, 
I guess from a business perspective, it would be diversification and risk tolerance. Yeah. Um, we're always looking for ways to expand and how to still operate off of dairy, but what are our products of waste and how can we turn them into, um, you know, a sellable or even a regenerative product? Um, looking at it that way, I think has really kind of applied to my entire life. Um, you know, you look at what you throw in the trash can or things like that. And it's like, wait, and then when you go to buy something, it's like, oh, well, do I need it or do I want it? Yeah. Um, kind of that aspect. I still catch myself though, spending all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the biggest takeaway though, um, would be either my father or my grandfather, um, their grit and, they're just determination to um, grow the next generation and be on the farm um, is super inspiring every single day. They work so hard. Um, they put in so many hours. A dairy farmer isn't just your typical farmer. I mean, when you think of your farmer, you're like, yeah, they're going to work sundown to sunup. Dairy cows need to be milked twice a day. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of nuances that come on that, and it's very time consuming um huge on time management as well um you know you've got the crop side of things and then you've got um you know breeding and then you've got calves and you've got the whole whole spectrum and it's just it's a lot to keep track of so i right. definitely think a little bit of time management but also um the backbone of working yeah definitely that was one of the things in the previous episode where we looked at this with my friend um the variety of knowledge that you have to have right you're like you're a soil scientist and you're a veterinarian and also some kind of mechanic or like a mechanical engineer depending on the complexity of the equipment you're using and so just the different facets and levels of things that you need to be able to maintain an operation even at bare minimum not even like super successful thriving like baseline of what's needed for that and not everybody maybe realizes that like we don't all just Go hop on a tractor and drive around like a Jason Aldean song or get on a horse and ride endlessly like John Wayne. Like there's a lot more to it. For sure. There's a lot of hats to be worn. Yeah. So we've kind of circled around this, but I would love to hear more about it. Um, we don't, I used to not. And then as I've gotten older and realized the size of New York State, think about agriculture when we think about the state of New York in itself, right? We assume um more of the southern end of it right new york city and all of it and coming off of my trip right that's obviously fresh of mind so what does ag look like in the state of new york yeah i would say outside of westchester county which is pretty much north of new york city is all agriculture um there's a ton of land it is literally so like everywhere you drive it reminds me of texas Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of small towns, um, so many different types of operations. One of the big things too, I think in the Northeast, um, especially in Western New York from my part of the world, um, there's a lot of Mennonite and Amish people and they have huge massive communities. Like there's a 40,000 community right next door to me. Um, uh -huh. and they're all in agriculture. Um, but so are like all my friends' parents. Um, I think about the my graduating class. To put it in perspective, um, K through 12, we had 900 kids. Okay. I graduated yeah. with 47 kids. Um, yeah, my class was 47 too. <laughs> exactly. 
And I could tell you over 50% of my class, if not both their parents worked in agriculture. Yeah. Um, it's just a huge, huge part. Um, I looked this up, <laughs> but New York is number three for milk and sales out of all states. Um, mm -hmm. It's the third largest state for that. Um, there's 624,000 cows in New York state, just dairy cows. Um, it is leading the nation with the number one dairy products, including cottage cheese, sour cream, and yogurt. Um, it is number two for apple production, um, maple syrup, and number three for wine and grapes out of all 50 states. So yeah. when you don't think of it, it's like you're thinking of a big piece of the puzzle is in your right. state. Definitely. So I don't think I thought of apples, but I mean, it has the right climate. I think I always think of like Washington state. For sure. And um, so one of the, I worked for Farm Credit East for a summer. I was an intern there and my project was between Mennonite and apple storage. And I did not, when you think of apples, we eat them year round, but you only harvest once a year. So that made me, my whole mind was like, oh my God, cold storage. That makes so much sense. Like there's cold storage for any type of produce, onions, potatoes, yeah. you name it. Like there's cold storage, um, strawberries, all of it. And it's such a huge market here. And um, the huge factory for Mott's apples is mm. actually based out of um, Western New York. And okay. so I was able to go there and I was like, oh my gosh, I love apple juice. And it was, I living in New York state didn't realize how much apple production is there and how much technology is in apples as well um the the readers that go across they scan each apple and they can literally see the fingerprints on the apple from the picker oh my gosh <laughs> and that's how they grade different apples not only just by the size but like there's a whole nuance that goes into that as yeah. well but um definitely eye-opening um there's there's a ton of, of stuff in New York. <laughs> yeah. So bottom line, if you're getting nothing else out of today's episode is go eat an apple and think a dairy farmer. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I love thinking about some of the just political facets of agriculture and different implementation implement implications of short and long term different things that are occurring present day um, and would love your take on what are some of the challenges either immediately you've addressed some of the different marketing and different expansion things, but um, if anything is on a short term intermediate or on a like longer term scale as your family's figuring out, you know, succession planning or um, land property taxes and purchases and all of those fun things that you are familiar with um, working in the world of real estate and just what that what that looks like for for your family yeah i think one of our strain um constraints where we are at is um we're kind of landlocked so we have a good parcel in our county and um which bleeds into a couple other counties but we have also other larger farms as our neighbors so if we think about expanding or um and that's one of our things we, we want to bring more cows on we want to milk more we want to have more milk um, you got to feed them. And so yeah. it's usually an acre per head kind of, if not two acres, um, is, is the back cowboy math as we like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And with that, it's a huge constraint to think about because gas prices are crazy. Um, The market is crazy for land. Um, To put it in perspective, um, agricultural dirt here goes, it's it's currently trading anywhere from $16,000 to about $22,000 per acre. Dang. Um, And that's agriculture in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're competing against your neighbor who also wants it. Um, so it's one of those things where we've we've found ourselves harvesting or buying property, um, you know, an hour or two hours south of our property um, with that getting machinery and equipment is like. It's it's horrendous. I mean, a, a chopper can only go 35 miles an hour down the road and it's got to travel two hours by car. Um, right. So it kind of gets a little like, is it feasible? Um, so that's when custom harvesting and all those other things take place. But we've really got to weigh the pros and cons. You know, what is our top line dollar and, and what are we spending? You know, what's what's the profit here mm-hmm. or, or break even, I should say. Um, on the expansion. I think one of the hardest things going on in New York State right now is labor. Um, We are a blue state. So with that, there is a lot of um, constraints on minimum wage. And one of the biggest problems we're seeing right now, and we are currently, we have legislation um, from our farm personally and write letters. We're trying to get with Kathy Hochul, our governor right now, working through a lot of um, nuances along with everybody else. But the main thing is um, the labor um, force, you know, that is, it is so hard to get labor. And then on top of that, there's labor constraints now. So they have a max of how many overtime hours you can have in the agricultural facet. Mm -hmm. And that is frustrating on all ends, as you know, Um, seasons, it it can rain, it can snow, and you've got to harvest your crops. You've got to get it off. So you might be working a 14 hour day. Right. That's seasonal. Um, And so that's one of our things is you can't go overtime with a lot of these things. And we're seeing that even retaining help, help wants the extra hours. They, if they're going to be in the area, they want to work the 14 hours and they want to get paid overtime. And we have the constraint of, we can't, we, we literally have to turn off equipment and we have to shut down. We can't. Um, So that affects staffing problems that affects the longevity of all farms. And I feel like across all of the country is kind of seeing that is a lot of these small farms are stepping out of the game and these other farms are becoming larger because they have the manpower. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they have the their resources to figure out how to make that work for them. Yeah. So all good stuff. Before I hit up the last question, is there anything that I forgot to ask or that you want to make sure that we mention? Uh, drink milk. I swear it's good for you. It's amazing. <laughs> I always hear people say they want 2% milk or almond milk. And all I have to say is you can't milk an almond. <laughs> that's good um i i like that i appreciate that so our standard final question for the podcast is if you had a billboard what would it say and i think you could put on one if you wanted that you can't milk an almond 
That would be a good quote. Um, I think I would put, don't forget the hand that feeds you. And I think yeah. that applies anywhere you go. Um, even in real estate, I've got to, you got to remember who you're working for, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think obviously American agriculture feeds not only Americans, but also so many different countries and people internationally. And that's important to remember you know, every day, especially during election season, we're coming up on that. Um, and like you're saying, right, like you guys have been in contact with the governor. I know there are different, like Dairy Farmers of America, Farm Bureau, Cattle Raisers, right? Like all these places have um, lobbyists and different legislative aides that are fighting for all of that. And so don't forget about them too, because they are doing the Lord's work. Yes, they are for sure. <laughs> But well, awesome, Colby, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, and thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Please like and share, subscribe, follow us on Insta, all the things. Tag us as you're listening so we can say thank you. Um, if you are in another state and have an ag product or family operation that you would like to feature, Please give us a shout out on our Instagram and we'd love to connect with you to figure out when we can do that. And we're so excited for our Ag in Other States segment and hope to expand it moving forward. And Colby, good luck to your family. And hopefully someday I can be buying this amazing chocolate milk in HEBs in Texas. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right.